0: Welcome to Grails, a podcast by Alton Insights. My name is John Tunger, and on this episode, we're joined by Bradley and Dylan from the Alton Insights crew. We're breaking down everything that happened in quarter one in the alternative investment space, and I'm just gonna say it, bold call here. You're not gonna be able to find as much deep information with analytics and all about all the different asset classes. We're breaking down sports memorabilia, cards, comic books, video games, and even art. A ton of great information Let's get started. All right, let's start this off. Uh, I want to hit that sports collectibles market report. Um, it gives a good finger on the pulse of what's actually going on. So let's uh, let's hit that one first. Yeah, I think
1: uh, this is a new kind of... Uh, venture for us at Alton. Um, obviously, markets like art and wine, alternative asset markets, have been you know really well developed, and and a big reason for that is the data and research that's been done on the space, and that's something we felt was missing from the sports collectibles market. So we kind of viewed it as an opportunity to kind of crystallize what's happening in auction markets, what's happening in different sports, what's happening across different categories, and, you know, share that information. And so that'll be an ongoing kind of quarterly effort for us, uh, first of many, uh, and and also kind of looking across different categories other than sports. But uh, this was an interesting one. Obviously, last spring was uh, about as booming as the sports collectibles market could could be. We saw a lot of record prices, all those things. Things cooled off in the summer, uh, but what we found was that you know activity is by and large still still really strong, even if those values aren't aren't quite where they were. And there's a lot of new places where people are finding value. You know, obviously there's been a lot that's been said about tickets, about um, you know new, different sports that haven't been as as collected like f1 which is very much emerging or soccer which emerged last year and is kind of still in the process of emerging so um really fun process to kind of dig into the key storylines and and share those with
0: people and and hopefully becomes a uh
1: you know a kind of cornerstone of of, uh of research in the space
0: when you're starting to look into that like What is your research process, right? So you pull up the Alton Insights dashboards, your other research, you crack your knuckles, and you just like, go, let's lay out the data and try and find some gems. Like, what what do you, how do you kind of start all that?
1: Yeah, I think the big thing is it's really an ongoing process throughout the quarter, right, of 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 Bradley and myself keeping an eye on what's happening at, at auction and kind of uh, noticing trends as as they come up. So it makes the kind of end of quarter process a little bit easier. But when you get to that process, process it's a matter of, unfortunately, we have the help of some really great, you know, uh, kind of contacts in in the auction world to help us with this data, but, you know, pouring through that auction data, looking for how things compared to, you know, when they sold last quarter or last year, understanding, you know, kind of how those volumes compare to last year. And so it's a lot of auction data. It's a lot of marketplace data.
0: Um,
1: And, you know, not just looking at cards, but looking at things like, you know, memorabilia, NFTs. Uh, So overall, pretty, pretty, uh, pretty engrossing process.
0: Or if you're you're Bradley, like you mentioned right before the podcast started, which is like to see your guys Twitter feeds like would be pretty funny. But like uh, he was just talking about how a cut of a diamond just went for like tens of millions of dollars at auction. Like somehow you guys know every auction that's going on. And like I'm like, I feel like I'm in the know. But you guys, it's like a whole other level. Did anything surprise either of you guys when you. As people who, like, you're just so in the know when you actually started laying out the data, was there any big, like, surprise?
2: Yeah, I would say, like, just looking, the one thing that stuck out to me, a couple things. One were the overall number of six-figure sales um, in the first quarter of 2022 versus the first quarter of last year. Because last year really was the, if, if we look back at, uh, card prices especially, they soared. That was whenever the hobby took off, right? The When people really got into it, we started to see you know, the, the Jordan sales were approaching a million dollars for the 86 Fleer. And, and we looked then the first quarter of 2022, uh, we had more six-figure auction sales. And then actually some of the sales in general that were record prices that we started to see. Tickets, uh, we had the badge that sold from Golden Age the Masters badge we had heritage sold a you know Jackie debut ticket for 480,000 uh we had a f- another female record card set Serena Williams of course continues to absolutely dominate that market and then you know some established names in the memorabilia space uh, I know we'll get to that as well but like Mickey Mantle for example with a you know his last Yankee jersey and it was interesting to see that go for a multi-million dollar price in which previously that had really hovered in that million to million and a half range. So wow. it really just solidified for me that like the market is still, especially on the high end, rolling uh, at
0: least through the first quarter of 2022. Wow. Same for you, Dylan, or anything else? Uh, stick yeah, out?
1: Yeah, I think it's just, you know, we're so in the weeds with this stuff that it's easy to forget like just how much has changed in a year's time right like you kind of get used to hearing about tickets you get used to hearing about soccer but like you know uh, if you're talking about soccer last last year in like the first quarter of 2021 you know it still wasn't really that much of a thing like the amount of like five figure sales at golden in q1 2021 versus q1 2022 it's like it was almost 4x so, like, just right. to see how much things have broadened and deepened over the course of a year, which in the scheme of things is a very short amount of time, uh, it's still astounding when you kind of zoom out and look at the numbers because it's, it's very easy to, to miss that, you know, when you're in the day-to-day, you know, slog. I
0: think that's an important lesson, though. Like, we are in the everyday slog. If you listen to this podcast, you're probably someone who is a lot more... Uh, into this than other people right like we talk about auctions and we geek out about things that most of the market even doesn't right so even with soccer and i'll just take this like very subjective anecdote uh is like as i follow all these card breakers and they start opening soccer cards it's like an instant zone out and that's someone i love soccer like i grew up playing soccer manchester united like you know whatever call me a bandwagon if you want but that's something where I it, the values have to still be super suppressed because uh, not formal financial advice because like the just general market is still not there. Um, so as much as like us in the hobby and everything think, oh man, well this is already gotta be saturated. People are talking about it. It still seems to be early days across the board for things like that and F one. I don't know anything about yeah. F one.
1: It's actually know. a, a it, it's a it's a great segue the soccer conversation I think because. We're going to see two just absolutely massive soccer memorabilia sales uh, in the next few weeks. The the first one uh, will be this weekend at Golden, the famous Lionel uh, Lionel Messi jersey from the Classico when he basically scored, uh, I think it was like a 90th minute match winner against Real Madrid, ran over, and his celebration was he took off his jersey and held up the back to to the fans. That's like one of the most iconic, you know, uh, celebrations, iconic jerseys, really in kind of the, the modern area of the sport, I'd say, you know, arguably yeah. one of the sport's greatest ever players playing in arguably the sport's biggest rivalry, scoring a last minute winner. I think it was also, it was like his 500th um, goal. So just a massive, massive jersey ha- has been photo matched. Um, I think right now it's sitting somewhere around maybe $200,000. Um, dollars <laughs> it be, be interesting to see where that ends up. Um, yeah. And it's interesting that it precedes uh, what's going to be the most expensive Jersey ever sold in any sport, which is Diego Maradona's Jersey that he wore in the world cup when he scored the famous hand of God goal. Um, <laughs> it's already, yeah. it's already over $5 million uh, or, or pounds, uh, but with, with some time still to run. So uh It'll be really interesting to see where that winds up, but in any case, those should be two really, really big results.
0: Okay, so game worn. Um, this has also been something that's heating up, something that's being talked about. Uh, Bradley, anything on game worn memorabilia, or heck, even like you know, golf clubs? I know Tiger stuff was up for grabs. Uh, anything there?
2: Yeah, no, we did. We had the you know the Tiger Slam clubs, which far exceeded I really thought going into that auction they had some photos that came out that that provided some extra support to you know the fact that they were the clubs used by Tiger that those came out like the week of the auction I was thinking probably two two and a half million was kind of the number I was looking at and then five million plus um, at Golden Age so that was an incredible sale obviously that just yeah. reset the whole market in general but it's also the golf market which had never really you know we had the uh, six-figure ticket sale for the inaugural master's badge but other than that we just haven't really seen golf take off so that was a a massive sale the multi-million dollar mantle jersey um, which you know set a, a record for the mantle jersey it also showed appreciation that was a jersey that had sold at heritage three other times and each time Kind of becoming like the Honus Wagner, the T two hundred six, where you never lose money on a Honus. Now it's like you never lose money uh, on a Mantle jersey. And then this wow. weekend, um, speaking of Golden, there is also a Jackie Robinson game worn Brooklyn Dodgers jersey that it's already priced. It's at two point nine million. That's before buyer's premium, so that's going to clear three million. Um, and that's wow. you know obviously just an incredible piece of history. That you know, looking at I think if you look at baseball during that era, it's like Mantle and Jackie, Babe Ruth is you know your murderer's row of you know where the money flows with game worn and apparel, and you, now it's like now we have the Jackie Robinson jersey. It's going to set a record for any Jackie jersey, and you know I wouldn't be shocked if it already has, I believe, eight bids, which for something like that is just decent amount at that price range. I wouldn't be shocked if you know at that point you get a few more flow in late. Maybe even push that up to like a four million dollar jersey. So uh, it's it's an incredible piece, and we're starting to really see these also come onto the market. It seems more common uh, and more often, and, and that's great. In the past, you would get like a million dollar sale a year. I still remember that, and now we're at a point where <laughs> you know we're going to have you know in the first two quarters of twenty twenty two, you know we're we're going to have probably about just. Trying to think offhand here, around five sales for million-dollar to multi-million-dollar pieces of of memorabilia, at least if not even a half dozen or more. So it really has just the whole market is it's crazy. You know, it's like money isn't a
0: a thing now; just (laughs) the prices are insane. And that's happening in the midst of like you know everything that's been going on with you know the markets going down and up, the volatility, like just general investing markets. Uh, would you say for alternative assets, then, if you're looking at a stock chart and say you've been out of the, the game for a couple months and you're just coming back into it. So, right, we obviously shot up uh, last couple of years. Uh, it seemed like it was dipping from there for a little bit. But are we now back on the uptrend or are we just kind of like plateaued at this brand new floor? What, what How would you kind of describe that?
1: It, it kind of depends how you shake it out. All right. So in the in the card world there are a lot of cards that have still kind of yet to recover from the post spring 2021 plunge, but there are a lot of cards that, you know, aren't frequent auction kind of visitors that, that have had a lot of momentum. I mean, you look at the split between high end card performance and the low end staggering the high end people are, are prioritizing, you know, quality over over quantity um much more so than was the case a few years ago um so sports cards you know fractionally speaking they're they're roughly flat this year uh slightly positive and then in memorabilia i mean it's kind of the same story that it's been for the past two years now where fractionally continues to lag cards um that continues to be the case. Our, our sports memorabilia index is down about six and a half percent this year. Um, so you wonder, you start to see these strong results with more frequency. Um, will people start to, to reevaluate some of those valuations? Because sports memorabilia also didn't fare particularly well versus cards last year either. So you're starting yeah. from a, a low basis. So it'll be interesting to see if, if some of these headline sales start to trickle down as the market and provide a little bit of stabilization, maybe a little bit of momentum as well.
0: So I want to kind of pivot away from sports here. We've been talking about sports a lot in the last couple episodes of the pod cool. um, and talk about, you know, comics, video games, some of the other asset classes. I want to start with comics. Um, don't tell my wife if she's listening to this podcast, I'm sorry, but like definitely the area that I want to get into next personally, even if it's just moving up the lower graded stuff and moving up higher is comics. Um, I just love it from like the art perspective, the storytelling perspective. Um, undercover comic book nerd. So I want to really start spending money there. Is that bad? Should I wait? Did I miss the big boom and now I'm I'm buying at the high? Just, you know, this is ju- therapy for me here. I
1: was I will say there has certainly been a lot of momentum in in the space. It's it's probably kind of the only space that on the whole has kind of grown almost uninterrupted over the last few years like there haven't really been those dips sure if you look title by title you know you can Mm -hmm. you can find some pockets where there's been some weakness over time but this year in particular you know fractionally it's the best performing asset class by far in, in kind of a sea of red across categories it's just Continues to hold up really well, and there's a there's a great breadth of assets that are trading positively this year, which is even more rare in the fractional space. Uh, at auction, results continue to be pretty strong, uh, particularly in Silver Age. Uh, you know, it's a lot of those those titles that kind of have the very strong and uh, strong recency of of Marvel franchises and, and and those fan bases that are still can getting you know a lot of screen time and and a lot of kind of uh, Cross cross cultural appeal, I guess you could say. Um, so there have been areas where you know certain certain items, like in other asset classes, maybe have pulled back a little bit because they've been appearing at auction a lot in high grades. But for the most part, uh, the momentum in that category is as strong as any. We've uh, seen several million dollar sales this year. I think it's probably close to four or five at this point this year. Maybe even maybe even a little bit more than that. Uh, and, and some some major momentum still so uh whether that continues you know who knows but it, it certainly there there haven't been many kind of uh a, many signs of weakness thus far
0: yeah um
2: bradley any notes on comic books no it just you know the fractional marketplaces have definitely been a an area for a comic book investor looking to make you know some quick money. So there's been uh you can check out our buyout history table on the Alton Insights uh platform that we have for all of this data that we're going to give you, but there's been 14 buyout offers and 13 have been accepted. That's for comic books. Wow. So yeah, so they're being accepted. I know that um it, for Dylan and myself, we watch some of those buyouts and just shake our heads because there's just such amazing comic books. You know, you're talking like amazing fantasies and first edition X-Men's and Avengers that have gone um just been accepted. But the buyouts, it's solid. The average return from IPO on those is 44%. The average return from last trade is 56%. So especially in a market like you know, what we're seeing right now in the general stock market where everything, absolutely everything is seemingly red, at least in my portfolio um it the comic books have provided some green and a grand a lot of that was last year Um uh, last summer was when the big run happened but we're still seeing it otis has a buyout offer as we speak out um for a comic so uh that would be you know, that's just another example of, of where the market has that's been
0: an attractive market for fractional investors for sure yeah what about video games so we got video game. what a year right we YouTube videos coming out saying, Oh man, scandals. And then, um, people are still buying video games and crazy appreciation, you know, uh, what, what are, what are our thoughts? How's that market doing? And, um, anything noteworthy there?
1: Yeah. 2021 starting to feel like a long time ago in the video game space, (laughs) uh, whether you're talking fractionally or, or at auction, whatever it may be. Um, Look, a ton of steam has come out of the high end of the market this year. Uh, Heritage closed their April signature auction uh, last weekend. And if you look at kind of the average prices realized at the top of the last four auctions, it's just a pretty steady, you know, uh, plunge downward in terms of values realized. And, you know, some of that has to do with the the games that are being consigned. We haven't seen, you know, total grail top-tier Mario copies at auction a little bit. But but it is clear that there's some lacking momentum at the very top of the market. Um, but again, when you zoom out, it's easy to forget. Like a year ago, Heritage didn't even have standalone video game signature auctions. So mm. things came so far in a year. Um, obviously, it was the best-performing asset class fractionally last year by a huge, huge margin. This year, not so much. Uh, index is off about you know over 20%. Most games wow. have gotten absolutely hammered. A lot of that has to do with the fact that IPOs came at the peak of the market, um, and mm-hmm. there's often premiums built in. So not a lot of margin for error. Uh, one interesting thing to note, though, is you know while while values are down a lot, the there's statistics that show that kind of the amount of bidders hasn't declined as much as values. The amount of activity, Um, when you adjust for the number of lots included in each auction is pretty comparable to where it was at at the heat, at the heat of the market. So if nothing else, it does seem like the hobby has added greater depth. Um, Even if it's not at those high, high, high values at at the lower values, there does seem to be interest that has survived kind of the, the boomiest and, 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 you know, kind of loudest parts of that, of that market uh, cycle.
0: And do you mean like interest in other type of games like games that might not have been on the radar before or are getting hype or what do you mean by that?
1: Yeah, I think I think at um, lower grades where where things are more accessible. So, you know, people who are entering the hobby who aren't, you know, necessarily the huge spenders are are still actively involved, it seems like. Um, and I know it's something you've been interested in sports video games. Yeah. Uh, It's happening (laughs) for sure. There is a copy of Kobe Bryant's NBA court side at this auction went for 33 K, which is a huge number. I think, I think one went at golden a couple months ago for like 24 Um, Jordan versus bird, which is an NES title sold for 25,000. I think the previous high at Heritage before that was like 800 bucks. So like you're starting to see some of that happening and there's definitely some, some sports collector crossover that's, that's starting to show itself in results.
0: Yeah. So that's my, uh, that's my, from John watching the Twitter world, you can kind of start to see some people, the people who like, you know, love to talk about tickets or these different assets. It seems to be sport video games. Um, starting to get some action so i could see those are things that you know someone like right when tiger woods was there people were posting about the tiger woods original playstation game and, and things like that it's kind of like you see these hints might be might be some good indicators
2: uh to that point when I mean, we had that you know the record for the john madden video game in the first quarter for the a sports video game established and to the thing about video games on the fractional side is they are there's extremes on both sides like so the average return is it's funny so the average return for them or it's like under 1%. It's like negative huh. 0.5, I think. And but there's no video game that's positive below 19%. So the the best of the worst performing is it's up 19.7%. Wow. And then then you have this slew of video games that are they've doubled their market caps. They're up over hundred percent. There's at least three currently out there. But then on the contrary side, you, you have video games that are currently down more than 40 to 50%. So it's like, there's no middle ground, even though the, the average evens out. So it's just been an area where uh, for fractional investors, some have I'm sure done really well, but it's also been, there's a lot of landmines around in, in that area. So it's a market that yeah. still needs to develop and mature for sure. Yeah. wow. And that, yeah. That and that line, that line between
1: good performers and bad performers, you can probably like find like the date of demarcation where like, when was the IPO basically. And, you know, to the, to the marketplace's credit, they were ahead of that trend for sure. And then anything that's kind of IPO since has been in, in troubled waters to say the least. So there's, there's definitely a lesson in there about, about chasing momentum, especially in a market that's this new and this unproven.
0: Now you're mentioning before the pod, before we start recording that art is having a moment right now. It's having a huge month. Um, talk about that, the classic alternative asset. Uh, where is it now?
2: Yeah. Art has been, this is probably one of the most important periods of art in the history, at least on an auction and investment front, um, that I've seen in my lifetime. And yeah, very, very casually put that out there. But so today, um, Sotheby's closed just a one of their normal um, uh, contemporary evening auctions over in Hong Kong. So it occurred in in their evening. It was over here this morning. And mixed bag of results to kind of head into what's going to be a really huge May of auction results. Uh, Kusama continues to really put out some impressive returns. Her pumpkins uh, are consistently doubling their pre-auction estimates. It's like the auction houses just can't figure out how high they're gonna go at this point. And they've been one of the better investment pieces. Masterworks has quite a few over on their platform that investors can invest in. They were pretty early in, in into her art as well, into kind of the Japanese contemporary scene. So credit over there over there to them. But obviously the big piece is gonna be the Sage Shop Blue Maryland that's gonna sell uh, Christie's it will probably, as an Andy Warhol piece, it's more than likely going to become the most expensive um, 20th century and 21st century piece of modern contemporary art. Um, it's you know going to reshape the market in general. But then there's also just so many sales that are flying under the radar. And even some artists that in general over the last couple of years have flown under the radar, like Jackson Pollock, where Christie's going to put out uh, a Jackson Pollock work that's probably going to push $50 million. And that's just an artist that we haven't really heard a lot from recently at prices of that level. Uh, We also have some Basquiat's that are going to go for tens of millions of dollars. So in terms of the overall total prices, I don't know this for fact, but I believe May could be the biggest um, in terms of total traded value or auction value that we have ever seen. Uh, Obviously, a lot of that's going to be pushed by a single piece of Warhol going for maybe 200 million, but there's going to be yeah. multi uh million dollar sales left and right. And that really kicks off like the first week. So the Christie's auction I believe is like the 9th of May. And then it runs all the way through the end of May where Sotheby's and Phillips kind of close out mid month with a variety of condos um, and then the Basquiat as well. So it's going to be a, a huge month for the space And just one that will definitely reshape the record books
0: for sure. Is this just a normal thing for the art market? Like, do they just love to come in right before summer starts and and hit off these monster auctions before everyone goes to the Hamptons? Or what's the, uh, what is this, what's why this month?
2: So typically, actually, we see really two periods. So the early spring, uh, we, we get contemporary tends to fill in some gaps, but normally it's like November, is when a lot of the auctions uh, later fall will put up some of their bigger pieces heading into towards the end of the year and into the holidays. But I think it's just a matter of the buyers have probably lined up. Uh, On the auction side, auction houses tend to, you know, they know when the buyers are gonna be available, they're communicating. If you're putting up a $200 million piece and you're having somebody on the consignment end who's working with the seller, they have to pretty much assure that seller that they have some buyers at least you know, interested at this point in time. You don't just randomly put up a $200 million piece of art. So and, <laughs> and so I think it's just a sign that for whatever reason, and maybe it's tied to the market in general. I mean, these are people with money that move markets. So we're seeing money, obviously, that there's been a pullback in the broader stock market. Um, I'm not saying that that is directly correlated necessarily with art, but there is a reason why all of a sudden you do, you do start to see money flow towards alternative assets with long-term history of appreciation and also a little bit of an inflation hedge. So you know, maybe that's more of an, a conversation for like the, an economics class over at Harvard or something. Um, it's above my head, but I do think that there is some level um, of correlation. When you're talking prices that extreme, uh, you know, there's there's a reason why they're selling all of these pieces right now for short. Sure. Right. Wow. Yeah. yeah. Mind blowing. And the, the t-
1: as always uh, rally is aces on timing as they're marking kind of their entry into the contemporary art space with, with uh, the
0: friends. <laughs> no, sorry. <joking>. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. You could, you could certainly make <laughs> the, argue, the argument
1: that they've already made it, but uh, at least in the <laughs> traditional sense, uh, they're, they're getting in the game with, a with a Warhol Maryland print from, uh, an edition of 250 comes from kind of a collection of, of 10 different, uh, colored prints, uh, obviously at a much lower scale, and uh, price wise value wise, than we'll see the, the shot Sage blue Maryland sell for, but, um, uh, it'll be coming right off the heels of that. And, uh, you know, it's, it's hard to say there will be a more famous, you know, work in the, in the world, to, in a month's time. So, uh, timings, everything.
0: Uh, This was amazing. I, uh, I think there's a ton of great stuff in here. Um, all the data that Bradley and Dylan are pulling from is on, uh, Alton insights. You can subscribe to get like all the full download of premium content and, uh, that new sports memorabilia report that we talked about in the beginning. I think all you have to do is throw in an email there. So, uh, in my opinion, Russell, these guys are so smart, whatever we're charging, let's double it. Um, because i think there's very few people that have their finger on the pulse of the auction scene and records and all that stuff so um that's all personal hype that russell's not paying me to say uh we'll see you guys next time